This is exactly right. Session. I'd like to tell you guys about it. It's this fucking flag that the Mitten Murderinos made us. And she hasn't put it down since we got here. <laughs> There's something about a flag, everybody. It doesn't matter what size it is. <laughs> All right, everyone get her. Yeah, go, go. I feel like I went to Yale in the 50s. <laughs> She suddenly started doing fucking <laughs> stage work. What do they call it when you walk around the stage? Space work. Space work. Out of nowhere. Flag work. That was when we stopped doing live shows. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> Enough about us. Sorry about the flag stuff. <laughs> I just don't like anything, so when I actually like something, it's so exciting. <laughs> Everything sucks and I hate it. And then I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Goodbye. <Karen>. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> that was a flag bit of the show. Um, I'm drunk off that flag. I'd like to address my uh, fishnet tight uh, marks on my legs. Because last, thank you, last, uh, last show I was like, these tights, they're so rad, they're spanks and tights and fishnets. And by the end of the show, they were like down to here. Yeah. They had like r- rolled to here. Yep. Yeah. So I went backstage and just fucking ripped them off. Yes. But they cost too much to throw away. So I'm like, I'll wear them again someday. It's <laughs> not on stage where I kept doing this, this thing. Yeah. And then I think I flashed everyone on accident too. And I did it once. So you're saving them for a special occasion, like at a party where you can pull them up the whole time. Right. Or something like that. Right. Right. Amongst friends. Yes. I um, also normally, sorry, normally we uh, wear fancy dresses because we get to do shows in these awesome theaters. Um, So we like to dress for the occasion. When we arrived at the show tonight, I turned to Georgia um, very sincerely and said, I forgot my dress. (laughs) At the hotel. Forgot my dress at the hotel. And then I, for a second, I think Vince was like, do you want me to go back and get it? And then I was like, oh no, because I forgot to buy shoes entirely. <laughs> so like, even if he'd want to get the dress, I would have had to wear these with the dress <laughs> and it all fell apart. And then I was like, yeah, I'm going to wear this weird gap shirt then. I was like, you're dressed like a goth already. Right. The only rule, because there's no rules because we made it all up, is you have to wear black. Yes. So fucking where were you wearing? So I was still within the uh, within right. the boundaries of the contract right. that and we have like, about outfits. She was like, "What if we wear it right now?" And I'm not kidding. You had a like 1970s like sweater that had pink hearts on it, <laughs> and it looked like something. Um, what's her face from Twin Peaks would be wearing? Audrey. Like, I'm gonna wear my dress still, but you're in black, so you can totally wear it. Yeah. No, uh, I think it worked out fine. But I did leave on my shitty shoes in solidarity. Yeah. And for comfort reasons. So. Guys, take a look at these. 
If you've never heard the podcast before, this is the kind of heart-wrenching stuff we talk about the entire time. This is My Favorite Murder, the true crime comedy podcast. Thank you. Welcome. That's Karen Kilgarrett. And that's Georgia Hardstar. Thank you. Oh, I Shit. thought we were going to both Shit, do it. Was, it. And it, was it was a flag cue. Flag cue. Flag cue. Um, wait, tell them the story about your discovery mid-show, sh- mid <laughs> last show. You know how some episodes I think of something really stupid and then just scream it in the middle because I get so excited about it? Well, this time Karen was telling her murder story and like something happened where someone was like, and then they did this thing and it's like clearly, and I went to go red flag and then I just instead went, ah! <laughs> like a fucking idiot. <laughs> and also didn't explain it right away. It just seemed like I was just waving the flag in a really inappropriate like, time. Wait a second. Red flag. <laughs> I was just like, are you listening to me at all? We're, we're supposed to be doing a show together. Um, Coney, I ate a Coney dog. Oh, that's right. Vince... Vince brought, I was in the hotel doing my murder. Vince comes to the hotel and he's like, Coney dogs. And I'm like, rad. And he brought an extra one. I was like, go give it to Karen. And he goes, she doesn't want one. Well, hold on. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I did not mean to throw you under the bus. No, 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 you didn't. But when I got the text from Vince, it was, do you want me to bring you a Coney dog? Which to me, I, in my mind, I was like, they're at a Coney dog oh. place together. And Vince, they're like wondering if they want to bring it back. Because, and then the idea of that is like, do you want to eat a Coney dog alone in your hotel room in the dark? <laughs> like we know you always do. So it's like, of like, course not. I'll have this apple. We didn't invite you to yeah. get the Coney dog with us. It was a couples only Coney dog out. Couples it. only Coney dog, which yeah. is very rude. Yeah. And then secondly, do you want to eat in the dark with the curtains closed? Yeah. I mean, yes. The answer is yes. But I'm not going to tell you about yeah. it. I'm going to pretend like I have some self control over my own. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I wish he had just said in the text, I'm bringing Georgia. And then right. I'd be like, fucking bring me three. Oh, man. It's still in the hotel room. <laughs> out in this paper bag with trash in it. You're welcome when we get back. I well, have wait. been... I just wanted you to describe to the people who already right. know, but, you know, Georgia used to be a host on the Food Network. And so she's kind of, yeah, she's kind of a food expert. And so I was like, I want you to tell me about the Coney dog, but not normally. I need you to tell me like you would if you were on your t- Food Network show. And I have seven years training. <laughs> okay. <laughs> American Coney Dog in Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> Actually, can you, oh wait, can you say it again? But say American Coney Dog in Michigan. Say it again and, oh no. And say then, it again and don't, leave off the state. Okay, yeah, that's like yeah. a weird controlling producer that's just trying to fuck with you. Right. Uh, and I, and she's like, put down the fucking flag. Um, <laughs> you take a bite and you get this snap. And then you just get the crunch of the onions and the soft, doughy, pillowy bread. Bread? <laughs> Hot dog bun? And it's just delicious. Take three. And for the next three to four days, your fingers smell like Coney dogs. <laughs> no joke. I've showered. I've washed my hands multiple times because I have ADD and they still smell like Coney dogs. <laughs> Is Yay. that the end of the Food Network segment? Yeah. <laughs> you just go down into a, start talking about all these weird things you do with your Coney dogs. And this is why I got fired from the, I didn't get fired. <laughs> what if the Food Network, like the first person in history, they fired me? Yes. No, they didn't. They're like, we usually don't do this. We let people get super drunk on camera. But you, <laughs> you got to go. Yeah. Um, it was really good, you guys. And he wanted me to tell everyone that he would normally go to the other Coney Dog place, not American. 
Lafayette, but they only accepted cash, and he didn't have cash on them, but apparently everyone gets angry at each other about what Coney Dog place to go to. Yeah, it's, it's very important. We understand. Sure. It's sure. crucial. It was good. I mean, it, uh, Vince claims to be from here, so you have to prove it. <laughs> you can't just go to whatever Coney Dog Well, place. you know he's from here because he, he'll hold up his hand and point to a place that he says we're going to. <laughs> but I fucking swear to God, every time he points at the same place, like he's <laughs> fucking with me. Because I'm like, well, where are we going to go, you know, on this day? Because we came early to go on the trip. And he's like, well, so we're actually going to go here. And like points at his hand. And I'm like, uh-huh, okay, cool. I have no fucking clue what he's talking about. And he's I don't want to tell him. under my control. Yeah. What? Okay, because you know we normally go here. And, uh, uh, yeah. The mitten, the mitten, the mitten. I'm from Southern California. Um, <laughs> this is Southern California, actually. We're from down here. <laughs> no, we're you're from right. We're from over here on the coast. Well, you're not down by the elbow, San Diego. Gross. I don't want to steal your rad joke, but this is where we're from. Oh, we're actually from here. From right here. <laughs> right at the tip of that one is where I'm most used to being. That was Karen. I don't want to take credit for that incredible joke. <laughs> And I won't. And I refuse to. Oh, we got a gift. Did you bring it? Oh, fuck. I didn't bring it. <laughs> Did we bring that bag? Is the bag there? No. Okay, okay. Well, we'll just describe we'll it. We'll just describe it. Don't worry about no, it. No, no, no. Nah, Vince. Vince won't. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so um, when the people that worked here came up and they said... Um, Someone that's going to be at the next show brought you this gift, but they're so excited they need you to have it now. And he said, and I, uh, they took, they showed me a picture of it so I knew what was in it. And he goes, and it's really awesome. <laughs> and then we pull the tissue off the top of the bag and out comes what looks kind of like a bowling trophy, but that's been, uh, very, very adjusted. <laughs> Um, and the bottom. Oh, he it, brought it. So the thanks. Here we go. I thought the verbal was way better. So there it Wait. is. And on the bottom it says the fucking word is trophy. <laughs> and, and there's then. some arms and some eyes and some hair. Trophies. This guy's carrying a knife, and then he's got a head in his other hand. Whoever made this, oh, Julie Rose, Kelly Lynch, Melissa Lynch, you talented motherfucker. The Lynch, Kelly Rose and the Lynch sisters delivering it once again. I mean, if, if all gifts could help us this way, it'd like send us a gift that, that make shows us how to pink. correctly pronounce city names, that'd be great. <laughs> I don't know if it'd be like dinner mats or something. <clears throat> that'd be great. That was amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> now we have a mnemonic aid. Yeah. So we'll always remember trophy. trophy. Should we sit down? Wait, first we need to talk to the boyfriends who've been forced to come here. <laughs> I think I think it's important. There's some there's people who already don't know what's going on and we haven't even really talked about anything. Yeah. And I know that that's very alienating. And now we're going to sit down and um, talk true crime and make jokes. It's all very bewildering, and we understand. We just want to yeah. know that you're our friends, too, and we care about the Oilers and stuff. Whatever you like, <laughs> we also like that, too. The what? Oilers? The Oilers? <laughs> the Lions? <laughs> the Red Wings? <laughs> it's right here. Oh, It's oh. here. It's right here. And then you go, oh! 
What was it? We were in some state, and I was like, "What's your What's your guys' baseball team? The Alligators or whatever?" What <laughs> I said, like the the snakes, the rattlesnakes. The rattlesnakes. <laughs> it wasn't the rattlesnakes. It was not. It was like the pirate. I don't know where it doesn't exist. We don't know where we are. Anyhow, um, just that's our way of saying hi. We so, pretend to be nice, and then we insult you twice. <laughs> That's so how you do it. The thing, this is a true crime comedy podcast. Also, when we sit down, guys and ladies who don't know who we are, they're going to applaud and it's weird. And then when we say what murders we're doing, what, 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 I don't know. <laughs> and what we sit down and nothing happens. I know. And they're like, why are they warning us about things that don't? I know. Well, now you know. Now you know to applaud. <laughs> what if it never happened before and I just really wanted to be applauded while I sit now down? Now applaud! <laughs> you have to! You have to! <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was pandering. It doesn't make oh. a ton of sense. We forgot something. Steven! Oh, Steven! Hi! When he's not off stage. There was like a second wave of even more intense cheering. Did Steven pull his shirt up or something? <laughs> What was that? He's wearing my Spanx. <laughs> like, what? He's like, George, I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> um, Steven's here. Steven is here. It's great to have Steven at the live shows. Like, he's a very grounding presence. Mm-hmm. We always like to have his mustache around. Uh-huh. It's just nice. And then people get so genuinely excited for Steven, the podcast producer. It's like a whole new area of celebrity that that has not existed before. No, we had no idea. And like, yeah, way to, way to go. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like, perfectly scrambled eggs. Oh my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient made in cookware. Made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Maiden. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made-in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's 
that's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Are you ready to do this thing? I'm ready. Yeah, it looks like it. Georgia's first this show. Yeah, I'm first. It's her turn. So I hold the flag. Well, it's my turn. (laughs) This is the turn flag. The whole time. Or I can hold it and then when you're done, I'll go like this. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. A flourish (laughs) to show that I'm done. Mm Mm-hmm. That's all I've ever wanted in my life. All right. Well, this is the story of the death of Robin Bowes. <clears throat> okay. July 30th, 2002, in the town of Zeeland, Michigan. Oh, is this old Zealand? <laughs> I've been to New Zealand. I was like, if I say, it's spelled Z-E-E-L-A-N-D. If I say this wrong, because <laughs> you know they like pronounce it differently. Yeah. It's called, actually How, called Zeil, and then I get yelled at. Yeah. But it's spelled Zeal. Every time. Thank you. It's about 180 miles from here. Great. It's up over here? It's here. Great. It's here. It's the rare pinky city that no one, <laughs> does anyone ever go like, hey. That it's, wasn't actually a question. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I found my in. Yes. Okay. This is like when you read the Torah, you have to have like a special <laughs> pointer because you can't touch it. So now I, I can't read. You should go down to your local temple and be like, I have a new idea, Rabbi. <laughs> you're going to love the Torah yeah. again. And they're like, you're not Jewish anymore. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. We haven't seen you for 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we read your tweets. (laughs) Oh my God, what if your home temple was like, we're so disappointed in your Twitter presence. (laughs) IJC, I need you to love me. (laughs) Um, 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 um. Okay, about 180 miles. So the morning of July 2002, neighbors noticed smoke coming from the um, Booz family residence, B-O-E-S. And firefighters get to the house, they battle the flames, and not realize that anyone was in the house. Oh. And then it, a short time later, they discovered the body of 14-year-old high school freshman Robin Bowes in, in her bedroom. Robin died of smoke inhalation and, and what looked like a blast of fire that had caused her eyebrows and hairs to be singed. Mm. Um, and she was face down uh, inside her bedroom door. Karen, Robin's mother, was the last to leave that house that morning, around 8.55 in the morning, and she went and picked up her friend to go shopping in Grand Rapids a few minutes before nine. Which is a- Everyone loves it. <laughs> um, just five minutes before the fire started is when she picked up her friend. Mm-hmm. A few minutes after Karen and her friend arrived at the shopping center in Grand Rapids, Around 9.30, they re- receive a call informing Karen of the fire. So uh, they rush home. She has to be given 
a shot of Valium to keep her from running inside to the house. Fuck yeah, she does. Since she knew her daughter was inside of yes, her. Yes, of like, course. On the sidewalk, they give her a shot of Valium. Isn't that insane? I mean, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the idea that that woman even had to go through that is Yeah, she could just be like, give me the Valium. Yes. Um, firefighters begin to search the house. Sorry, at- quick idea. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just EpiPen style value shots. <laughs> for that this, y- like for the age we're in and the time we're in, and the wouldn't it be? Don't wouldn't they it be have nice? Lollipops, Valium lollipops. I think they have like crazy narcotic lollipops. There was definitely an episode of Intervention. I swear to God. Where someone was eating Valium lollipops? They were just constantly sucking on Valium lollipops, which I didn't even know was a thing. I (laughs) don't even know. They just don't work on me. Any kind of thing, I'm just like, good night. I don't know how people can actually want to do that. I mean, I feel like any pill that's lollipop size is going to work on me. (laughs) I'm going to let it. I'm going to let it. Do you remember the one in Intervention where the woman sat in a folding chair in her garage smoking and taking pills all day? It, that thing filled me with such intense anxiety because I was like, this is absolutely going to happen to me. <laughs> there was like nothing about it that I couldn't see doing. You, where couldn't I'm like, rela- you related to every little bitty part of it. She, she couldn't smoke inside her own house, which is good. Yeah. So she'd go into the garage with the door shut <gasps> and a folding, one of those like from Beach the drugstore folding chairs and then people would have to come out and visit her in the garage while she was just fucking pilled out and just like chain smoking Virginia Slims oh and I was like God. this is my future there's no way I'm not going to do this I relate in every way to like when you're so overwhelmed that you're like what about absolute stillness and being high all the time <laughs> as a solution in a beach chair. In a beach chair. Okay, in a sorry. beach chair. Go on. I mean, Hopefully that woman got the help she needed. Okay. Let's just do this episode about intervention episodes because <laughs> no. I've got 10 more I need to talk about. There was one where the girl started drinking in the bathroom during the intervention. Do you remember that? <laughs> she's like, hold on a second, I have to go to the bathroom. And she's fucking as if no one was going to know. Oh, I'm such an alcoholic. Listen, we were both addicts. <laughs> like this. We're not making fun. No. Uh, We're living it. (laughs) It's tough because a lot of times, like, a flask really does seem like the solution. Yep. And it is. Sometimes it is. Did you see the the dude who was going to a festival recently? And so he went, and you can't bring your own alcohol in, so he went to the festival grounds three weeks early and buried a bottle of vodka. What? And everyone's like, yeah, guy, good idea. And you're like... Stop drinking. Dude. dude. The the solution is to stop drinking. Dude, when's the last time you paid a bill on time, but you're fucking burying a bottle three weeks early? Yeah. Like, no judgment. This guy clearly is smart and crafty. No, he's Use it for good. I love him. Save babies. All right, we're. So. Valium. That's where that started. Oh, yeah. It started because an awful thing happened. All right, let's get back. Yeah. Let's sink back down. We're sinking back. Okay. So firefighters begin to search the house just to do a once around thinking, you know, obviously it was an accident, but they have to do some investigation. They, oh, I forgot, to, they, they found, okay, <laughs> forgot to fucking mention this part. So you know how I hate, um, I hate false confession 
Well, this is from the confession tapes. Oh, the new the TV show. Yeah, the new Netflix oh, yeah. TV show. Yeah, meant to tell you guys that this case is from this that? case. Okay, so I watched the whole thing about it. Um, and there's the, so they get into the house and they go into her room where most of the fire had ha- you know had happened there in the hallway. And in the middle, and we have a photo in the middle of the fucking room. There's a five gallon gas can in the middle of her bedroom. Here it is. Take a look at this mother fucking shit. Motherfucker. Oh shit. In the middle that's in the middle of her bedroom. Yeah. Why is it there? I kind of like that they're like the black boxes of fires where you'd think that would burn really quickly because it's what's filled with gas. Right. So But why... it's like, no, I'm here to tell a story. Yeah. Guess what? You're not okay. getting away with shit. And the reason I'm doing this case, even though I fucking False confessions stressed me out so much that I had to turn the show off initially and have a panic attack real quick before I went back to it. <laughs> See, and then your EpiPen Valium would have, oh I mean, imagine. Where's my lollipop? Uh, the reason is because this is the only one where I was, so, I'm so conflicted about what actually happened. Ooh. All the other ones, it was like, well, obviously this is a false confession and they didn't do it. This one, I don't freaking know. And so, I need your help with telling me why there's a fucking gas can in the middle of the bedroom. Okay. In a minute. In the meantime, oh, and in, in the show, the guy, the firefighter who found the gas can was like, whoa, he picks it up, there's video of it, sloshes it around, and he's like, and my dad, who was the fire chief, I turn around and say to him, whoa, look at this. And he says, and my dad said, throw it out the window. <laughs> but I knew that would be a bad idea, so I left it. And then they just like moved on to the next scene. And I was like... Your dad should be fired? Because <laughs> I like, know that would be a bad idea, so I call the fire investigators instead. <laughs> Throw it out the window. I'm sure that's, there's a reason for that. As the daughter of a fireman, right. I would me. just like to say that's a classic fireman move <laughs> of like, get that thing out of here. It's all very... Yeah. Maybe he was like, an ember's going to spark it again. Maybe it was actually really smart, and the sun was kind of dumb. There might have been logic behind it, but there also could have been that thing where, like, if you have a, a parent who's a fireman, you know, like, they will not turn the heater on in the winter. Like, there's just a certain personality style where it's, like, it's all very, like, I'll take care of this. Throw it out the window. <laughs> or just like, all right, I don't have to listen to you anymore. <laughs> okay. I'm just but gonna... I could be wrong about this guy. We're usually not. Um... Often. Investigators are called to the scene. They initially, and a lot of people still suspect that Robin committed suicide in this manner. But by the next day, and initially investigators did too, but by the next day they brought in Karen, the mother, for questioning. She came in voluntarily, didn't ask for a lawyer, so wasn't given her Miranda rights. Um, She was given a lie detector test, which she was told she failed miserably. So at this point, um, investigators mentioned the gas can to her and she tells them that it had been missing for two weeks this is like their family gas can i don't know if that's a thing in michigan <laughs> it's it has its own chair yeah. every thanksgiving when, well when you live here you have a family gas people can. here love chair. gas cans. i miss that because i was talking so much <laughs> that's <was> funny thanks <laughs> thanks georgia <laughs> um so it had gone missing and th- there had been like a fire, like a little bonfire looking thing that started in the backyard a couple weeks before the fire in the house. So they were like, maybe the neighborhood boys got it. Um, and we're starting, you know, we're <clears throat> just having camping fires. I don't know. But as soon as she, as soon as they said to her, there was a, so there was a missing gas can. Karen says, you didn't find it in her bedroom, did you? But, and that's one of the things that like the prosecutors eventually like, boom. But it's also like, 
She, she knows her daughter died in a fire. She knows there was a missing gas can. And then they say to her, there was a missing gas She's can. She's like putting it together, yeah. worst case scenario. Right. So yeah. that is the obvious next step. So it's like, ah, frustrating. Da, da, da. Okay. After 16 hours of an investigation, 16 hours, I'm sorry, interrogation. Oh, oh. You know what I mean? Yes. She insisted she didn't know anything that happened. They have all this video footage in the confession tapes. Her neighbor and friend, she went to church with him. She babysat his kids. Their kids went to school together and were friends. Chief um, Olney shows up to talk to her. He's the chief. So she's like... The police chief? The police chief. Okay. No, I thought maybe that fire chief had come back and be like, you know what, take that lie detector machine <laughs> and throw it out the window. So at this point, it's like 10 hours into the investigation and she's starting to question herself and you can see that she... She's trying to help because she doesn't understand what's going on. And the thing, the biggest thing to her is that she trusts the lie detector test more than she trusts her own memory. Yeah. So she starts saying things like, I don't think I did it. I don't know if I, I don't think I did it. And when he walks in the room in the video, she goes, apparently I did it. And he goes, why? And she says, because of the lie detector test. So they're like, she did it and we need her to confess. Ugh. So they're interrogating her. She, um, doesn't believe her own memory. Um, and her fucking daughter, she's grieving her daughter from the day yes, before she's her died. Out of her mind. Out her of daughter's her mind. Dead. Um, so they told her they found gas on her shoes and clothes, which I still don't know if it's true or not. They told her they have her fingerprints on the gas can. They say her gas can. Right. Um, the fire started right when she left the house, which is true. I mean, it's crazy how quickly it started. But that's also exactly when, if a person wanted to start it, right. they would wait till she left the house. Right. Um, and that her husband was upset too, thinking that maybe she knew more than she was saying. Ugh. So they're telling her this. And then they do the old, if you did do it, how would it have happened? Which is always the way to get people to explain a scenario mm-hmm. that then they buy. And she said, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I dreamed it at some point. And then they said, if you did dream it, how would that have happened? Um, were you sleepwalking or in a dream state? How, how about your unconscious mind? And she starts to believe that she did it by mistake because she says there's no way she'd have done it on purpose. So she has no idea. She says maybe she had gone into Robin's room that morning. Here's a scenario. And she slept to find the phone, saw the gas can. Maybe she had sloshed it around to see what was in there. And then maybe had lit a candle in her room. Right. She's just trying to put something together. Yeah, here's the only scenario that if if it was my fault, here's how that would have happened. Um, And then, so they find out that Karen and Robin had a strained, some say stormy relationship ever since Robin turned 14, which is like, hi, I was, remember all the drug shit we were talking about? I mean, hi, introduce me to the 14 year old that likes their mom (laughs) and I'll be like, hey, liar, what's up? Yeah. How's it going? Also like, and we've talked about this on the podcast from the age, as a latchkey kid from the age of seven to 14, I played with fire in the house constantly. <laughs> that was kind of my pastime. Mm-hmm. How fun that was to light things on fire and see how it paper burned. Or like, I once took tea in a paper towel and I wanted to smoke it. And so I lit it on fire <laughs> to smoke in front of the... F- and it quickly caught on fire. You lit the bed on fire I lit the bed on child. fire when I was five. Everyone knows With about it. With her mom home. My mom was on the phone and she didn't pay enough attention to me. So I lit the bed on fire. <laughs> it worked. It worked. We do what we must. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> we've got to smoke a tea cigarette tea paper towel cigarette I believe is, it was chamomile it's epic <laughs> ew how did I know how to roll a jo- god you know what I did and I bet I used tape on it too yeah 
I bet I tried to smoke a taped paper towel with loose tea inside of it. Loose chamomile tea. That shit, anything. Where were the parents? Okay. Can, can Mr. O'Connell tell us? <laughs> Jerry, what the fuck were you people doing in the <laughs> 80s when you weren't raising all of your children? Okay. Can you please? So they said that at 14, she began to rebel and hang out with a bad crowd. Karen admitted to her husband there were times that she hated Robin and that Robin had treated her like shit. Um, which, yeah, how many times have That's, you... Yeah, having a teenager. Uh, it came out... So Robin's diary was in the room and not burned. So in the diary, it turned out that Robin wrote about having called Child Protective Services on her father because he threw a piece of metal at her that didn't hit her in the head but was close to her head. And the night before the fire... Um, Wayne and Robin had gotten into a huge fight. So the family was supposed to go, I think, the next day or that weekend away for Memorial Weekend. And she, Robin didn't want to go. She was supposed to start a new job waitressing. So she wanted to come home early. And they were having a huge fight over that. Like, who wants to go camping with your family when you're 14? Right. Um, and so... Or do anything with your family. I mean, stand near them. with them. Yeah. So she said that they got in a huge fight and that Wayne, the father, had kicked in the door and she wrote in her diary that she was scared. Um, so they go to trial. Here we go. John D. With the mother's admission? Yeah. Like, based on that interrogation? Yeah, based on the confession. Do you know why they didn't look into the father and it was only the mother? So this guy, John D. Hahn, H-A-A-N, he wrote the fire investigation book. He wrote it, the book. Uh, used in fire investigation, I wrote. He's the final word in fire investigation? Well, that's what, what he says. What does he say about throwing stuff out the window? Is there, <laughs> is there a chapter about... Did anyone read the book? <laughs> is what the question is. Well, he refers to it as the Bible of fire investigations, and he's one of those characters that you and I would be like, that I was like, oh, this guy. You know what I mean? Because sure. he does admit later that he had to... Um, recount, recant his expert testimony in past cases. One of which is because the data had changed where three children were killed in a fire and the mother was charged with the murder based on his expert witness testimony. Uh-oh. Yeah. So, there we go. Okay, so, um, they conclude, he concludes that the fire started, so here's what they think. The fire started right outside the bedroom in the hallway with the door almost closed. That Karen had sprinkled gasoline all over the hallway, which was kind of like a closed off, no window hallway, like, you know, like the 1980s houses kinds of thing. Yeah. Um, and that there was gasoline poured outside the door. Uh, and then the gas can was left there. And so what happened was in their mind that Robin woke up saw smoke, so opened her bedroom door, at which time the oxygen fueled the fire and it exploded in her face. That was their saying, because there was no, there was no gasoline, I don't know. Okay. (laughs) It's just like, there's so many sides to the story. David Smith is the defense arson, the defense arson expert, says there was no gasoline spread in the hallway at all. There was no traces of gasoline, only in Robin's room, and that possibly Robin had spread the gasoline intending to leave before it caught fire, maybe to try to get out of going out of town or to get back at her family or because she was pissed off, but maybe that ignited from a candle or a match. And there was a photo. There was, like, matches all over her floor. Like, she lit candles and incense and shit, as you do as a... You meditate. I tried to meditate. I didn't know what meditating was. (laughs) As a rebellious teen. You put the doors on and you meditate. Um, Okay. Because there were, okay, so here's what he said, and this is so fucked up. So he, there were no burns on the underside of her chin, and he says that matches someone 
leaning, a right-handed person leaning oh. forward and looking down. Yeah. Because it protects here. And then basically it just went up into her face. That's what they're saying. Okay. Maybe by the fumes. So, veteran fire dog, Rhonda. Fire dog? Mm-hmm. Rhonda. Oh. I wish I had a photo of her. Fuck, I'm sorry. I bet she's a Dalmatian. <laughs> she's not. She's what? like a black lab. Aww. Yeah, I don't know if they do Dalmatians anymore. Um, so, Rhonda comes into the house, and she, Rhonda's a dog, zeroes in on a ch- an overturned chair in the in ca- the parents' room. And that had traces of gasoline on it that no one else, none of the fire investigators had even noticed. So if the dog hadn't been in there, they wouldn't have find that, found that. And the other thing, and so weird, okay, so maybe Robin did accidentally do it. And that's what I was thinking initially. But then I found out that Robin was in her underwear, had no shoes on. And I was thinking, wouldn't she, if she were planning on lighting this fire, wouldn't she have packed a bag, including her diary? That was found out, like, she wouldn't have left that No, behind. she wouldn't have left it out, right. that's for sure. You would have had a bag, a go bag, as they call it. Um, and she would have had clothes on. So yep. that's super weird. Also, during the polygraph test, Karen had admitted to having an affair a few years prior. The judge ruled it inadmissible, but the jury had already heard it. So that kind of gave them, you know, pause about her. Uh, and then that turned Wayne against her, her husband, and he testified that she had snapped and he saw, he sought a divorce from her during the trial. Karen was convicted of first degree murder for setting the fire. Wow. She was sentenced to life in prison without parole. And a lot of the jurors said that what sold them was that John D. Hand, the fire investigator, book writer, was so like line by line of line of what exactly happened and was so sure of everything that he was saying that to them it's he had a good story. Right. He said his story was better. And the other dude, David Smith, was like, I'm not going to conclusively say anything because you, you just nobody knows. And so because there were other possibilities around there, they didn't believe him. Yeah. So sentenced to life in prison without parole, um, she has uh, appealed the case to the point where she has no more appeals left. Then she maintains her innocence from prison. She's been there for 15 years. She's 61 years old now. And Kelly Lodenberg, who created the confession tapes and directs all the episodes, she's convinced that Karen didn't kill her daughter. Um, the Innocence Project reports that 28% of its 351 clients who were convicted of crimes... Um, only to be exonerated by DNA involved false confessions. I just don't know what happened, and it's driving me crazy. It's one of those Jean Benet things where it's like, there's a couple different things that make sense to me, and none of them make sense all the way. Yeah, you can track. You can kind of track any storyline right. that's happening because that, you know the the fire expert reminds me of that blood spatter guy from the staircase. Totally, where that guy is, uh, you know, was like the same thing of talking very exacting and scientifically about this blood spatter. Right. Only then, a couple years later, to have all of that evidence get overturned because it's total bullshit. He was making shit up. He was literally like making making up these theories yeah. about blood spatter. None of it was actually scientifically proven. Well, it's just so crazy that uh, I, I don't want to... I have an idea of what I think happened or like what like two scenarios that I think could have happened. But either way, it's like... She sh- it, just reasonable doubt of these two, these options that were given in the trial. Maybe she, sh- even if I don't, I, I'm not convinced she didn't do it. There's reasonable doubt. There's reasonable doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And also, the worst part is then considering the fact if she truly is innocent, 
She lost her child. She <laughs> lost her ma- She just basically lost everything right. in this insane um, circumstance. Yeah. Oh, you can wave that now. So that's the story <laughs> of Robin Booze. Wow. That's rough. Yeah. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter her promo code space 80. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right. Well, my murder, uh, my murderer, I'm going to talk about a man named Lowell Amos here from uh, Detroit. Um, most of the research uh, from the story I'm about to tell you, I got from a website called the Malefactors Register, uh, and it was written by a guy named Mark Gribben. Okay. So I'm going to take you now back to December 9th. 1994, 52-year-old former General Motors plant manager Lowell Amos and his 37-year-old wife, Roberta Mowry Amos, are here in town attending a company executive party at the Athenian Hotel. 
and they go back to their suite at 1230 uh, and start doing coke. This is a very coke-based story. This episode is brought to you by drugs. Um, Remember that one on Intervention where the guy was super addicted to coke and he looked like a, like a surfer, like he was, he looked like he still had it together, but he slept on the roofs of different hotels that he <gasps> snuck into. What? No. Again, I was sitting there going, I'm going to do this someday. <laughs> like you get one duvet and then you get like a chaise lounge by the Whoa. pool. And you just, he would sleep by the pool. And then when people from the hotel found him, he looked legit enough. Right. So he'd be like, I'm in room 473. And Whoa. they'd be like, sorry, sir. I just love sleeping under the stars and the water tower. (laughs) Um, Okay. So they go back to their room to do coke with a female friend. um, And this female friend later says that when she left the Amos's room at 4.30 a.m. Imagine the conversations they were having in that non-smoking hotel room that they were absolutely smoking in the whole entire time. Coke is the worst because you just talk to people you would never normally talk to. Yeah. And you try to start a band with them. Yeah. It's it's insanity. All right. So she says... I absolutely see the face of like a child in the front row. Sorry. (laughs) Don't do drugs. It's probably a gorgeous older lady who uses really good lotion. That's true. Don't worry about it. You don't know what you see. Um, Okay, so... When this friend leaves, uh, she later says that Roberta seemed tired and groggy, like she had been drinking and she was about to pass out, but that Lowell was jumpy and talkative. (laughs) Had a lot of ideas about restaurants he wanted to start. Um, (laughs) You know, Coke stuff. (laughs) Four hours later at 8.30 a.m., an executive named Bert Crabtree. Oh, Classic. He is actually from Mad Men, but he (laughs) went into this murder specifically. Bert, what's up? Um, So Bert gets a panicked phone call from Lowell, who's saying, you have to come down to my room right now. He's freaking out. So um, Bert gets another, and I think these guys, it ended up being that they worked at this company that uh, Lowell Amos um, was associated with because I was like, who, who would do, if somebody called my hotel room after a party and was like, get down here, I'd be like, or go fuck yourself. Yeah. There's all these options. Cause no matter I what. I know the one I'm taking. Like, are you out of your mind? Like and the best possibility is he wants you to help him clean the room. Yes. Like that's sucks. That's yeah. And that's best that's case scenario. The best case scenario is fucking beer camps. Get down here right now. And you're just like, I'll see you at the breakfast buffet. Yeah. friends. Like I was just at a crazy party. Yeah. Okay, so, but Bert, being the Bert crab tree that he is, goes down <laughs> with another um, uh, employee uh, or guest from that party mm-hmm. named Daniel uh, Porcasi. And they go down to Amos's room, and when they get there, Lowell tells them Roberta died in an accident. Um, and he asks them for help cleaning up before the police come. Oh, yeah. Which, Touch again, everything. Yeah. But also, also aid and abet this yeah. crime that may or may not have happened. Yeah. Um, so uh, Amos tells them he had gone to sleep, and when he woke up later, Roberta was dead. But they're both chilled by the way he explains this to him, because he says, to, he just says to them very coldly, she's laying there in the other room cold as a mackerel. Oh, when mackerel's cold? They, I think they're quite cold when they come out of this dream. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fish. That's what he... Oh, he's, I mean, they're not... Fish don't get that hot. He's guilty. <laughs> that is a red flag, is saying something that is stupid a, like that. 
So then Lowell Amos asks Daniel to take his sport coat for him. And uh, so he's like, sounds great. Doesn't question it, apparently. Bert. Grabs it, throws it over. No Dan number. Bert would never fucking do that. Bert's like, I don't want your coat. I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, I've got a big project due tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, so on his way driving home, Daniel Percasi looks inside the breast pocket of the coat and he finds a small black leather case. Mm-mm. And inside the case, there's a syringe with no needle and a foul smelling washcloth. Ew. Uh-huh. Foul smelling washcloth. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to hear those words. No. No. And ha- like, in yeah. what way? Yeah. Then I'm just like this. Could it be mold? There's nothing worse than when you go to wash your face yeah. and somebody had left it on the ground, then put it in the washer, then left yeah. it in the washer for two days, then put it in the dryer, and you're like, sweet, it's every kind of mold now on my face. Right. Well, there, and that. then there's also the thing of like a washcloth that smells bad and then a foul-smelling washcloth just sounds so much worse. Foul. Foul-smelling. It smelled like the evil of men. <laughs> Or maybe okay. it smelled like ducks. <laughs> Get it? Yes, it's a foul pun. Right. Yes. Give it up to her. No! <laughs> I think I heard the first time that Mr. O'Connell laughed. <laughs> it was just my stupid dad The daddest pun. dad joke of all time. <laughs> it really was. He was like, I hated this, and now I'm on board. <laughs> Sweetie. Do more duck jokes. <laughs> That's what I came here for. Why can't you talk about nice things? Why does he have a southern accent? Okay. (laughs) Um, Later on, Lowell Amos took his coat back, and then after that, the uh, the small leather case and its contents disappeared. Yeah. Okay. When he's interviewed by police, Lowell Amos explains he and Roberta had engaged in sexual games involving cocaine. He claims that she was still doing it when he fell asleep. According to Kim, she couldn't snort coke because she had a sinus problem and that he said that she took it inside her body and that's how that's the sexual games part is that she took no. coke through her vagina no. yes it's true somebody wooed for the vagina that's very <laughs> very feminist of you um <laughs> But police are confused by this story because, and as we all are, because they'd been doing coke for four hours and he's like, and then I fell asleep. No, you fucking didn't. Yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah. You'd have watched QVC before you would have fallen asleep, my friend. It doesn't happen. Then, if he did fall asleep, when Roberta started having seizures because she had, as he claimed, OD'd on coke, that would have woken him up probably. Um, but none of that happened. He was out like a light. Um, little baby, don't wake the baby. <laughs> uh, and then when the room's processed by crime scene investigators, they find Coke on the bed linen, including the part that's tucked under the mattress. What? Yeah. So they were just like th- throwing it in the air. <laughs> they're throwing it and snorting it in the air because they're super rich. I don't know. They're like, it's a raining Coke, everybody. Yeah. It's truly snowing, finally. <laughs> but I think also the tucked under the mattress thing is like they cleaned yeah. shit up and... Oh, okay, sure. you knew that, you knew that. Oh, yeah, but okay. it's more fun to think that... <laughs> it's more fun to think people throw cocaine <laughs> up in the air to do it. It is. Now like, I want to do that really badly. Confetti. <laughs> yeah, they cut it really big. Yeah. Like you're snorting your own ticker tape parade. Come on. Okay. 
When the cops go to talk to Roberta's mother, Roberta's mother's like, she does not do drugs. She's never done drugs in her life. That's not her style. And the cops are like, "Mm mm-hmm. And... But then, when they, the anonymous female friend that did the coke with them for the first four hours, her account of Roberta being groggy and almost falling asleep is not what uh, people act like, as um, you may or may not know, when they're on cocaine. Um, they stay the, up and watch QVC. That's right. <laughs> and they order, and they order, and yeah. they order. And they call again and say how much they like the necklace. Who are the people that call to say how much they like the necklace? What? Oh, yeah. Come on. We've got... Join a book club. Deborah on the line. How are you liking your necklace? Ladies, I love this necklace. It goes right on my clavicle, and it is unlike any necklace I've ever bought on television. Now, did your husband buy it for you for your birthday? No, 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 no. I'm on so much coke, I bought it myself. (laughs) I bought seven, and I'm wearing all of them right now. And I'm licking the phone. (laughs) Also, in addition, so they, all all of it smells bad to the cops. They're like, this guy is dirty, and we know it. It smells foul. Um, It smells what? Foul. It does. (laughs) The cops are like, I smell a duck. They're using the I smell a pig joke that's used against them and they're using against somebody else because that's how we make ourselves feel better. Yeah. Quack, quack, (laughs) motherfucker. Did you say quack, quack, motherfucker? Yes. But I said it quietly because I wasn't sure because it's so stupid. You always, that's when you double down and say it loudly. I could, I I was gonna, all right. You'll get there. Okay. (laughs) I'm gonna have you doing like solid stand up sets by the end of this tour. Uh, Quack, 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 motherfucker. Okay. So they hate him. They're like, this guy's dirty. We don't have any evidence to arrest him. We have to put him under surveillance. Two days after his wife's death, Lowell is seen having a $1,000 dinner with two women that he later then has menage a trois with. Two Two days after the death of his wife? 48 hours, and he's like, this grief is killing me. I've got to eat, and i got to fuck two women. Like, immediately. Wow. Um, So then, Roberta's autopsy report comes back, and the Wayne County Medical Examiner um, reports that Roberta did have cocaine in her system, but the problem was she had 15 times the amount that's typically seen in a cocaine overdose. Shit. She had so much coke in her system that uh, half of the drugs hadn't even been broken down yet. There were also traces of cocaine found inside her vagina, but none on her body externally. Hmm. Also, the bed sheets were slightly soiled, but her body was perfectly clean. Hmm. Uh, forensic scientist Dr. Phyllis Good found lipstick and tooth marks on a pillowcase. What does that mean? What does it mean? That means someone fucking put a pillow over her <gasps> face. Sorry. Oh my God. But. Roberta wasn't wearing makeup when the cops found her. And all of this adds up to this idea that her body was washed in between the time that she died. Please tell me Bert and Dan didn't fucking help wash her body. I I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, But these are the theories where it's like, there's nothing nothing on her outside. She's completely um, very clean. So 
The police talk to Roberta's friends and find out that she was afraid of Lowell and she was planning to leave him because she knew he was seeing other women. Um, but they couldn't figure out a motive because he didn't stand to gain anything financially from her death. Hmm. So it wasn't a clear-cut case until they start looking into Lowell Amos's past. Okay. Right? It turns out this wasn't the first time Lowell Amos was a widower. <gasps> uh-huh. Um, before Roberta... Uh, he had been married to a woman named Carolyn Lawrence. Um, they lived in Middletown, Indiana. And according to their friends, Lowell and Carolyn, that's right, heads up, Middletown. Um, according to friends, Lowell and Carolyn argued frequently about doing the dishes, about him not being home enough. No, she was mad at him. <laughs> I thought you were telling me that those things, and I was like, so the fuck what? <laughs> Dishes. I was doing a call and response and not oh, letting yeah. you answer me. Oh. About doing the dishes? No. I didn't know. Yeah. I was I think I was right to skip it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um she was mad at her husband because he kept taking out huge life insurance policies on on her. Yeah. That would piss me off. I mean, I think I'd get pretty mad about it. Fuck. Yeah. So when he refuses to cancel them, she ends up kicking him out. Yeah, get away from me. Good move. Um, and that was in 1987. Poor Vince, like, we actually can never take a life insurance policy <laughs> out on each other because I would just freak the fuck out. Even if it's, like, legitimate, you're supposed to do that. Yeah, you have to. According to your, like, accountants. Yep. She's like, no, we can't. You know. You'll never do it? Poor guy. No, I'm terrified. What if I do it? <laughs> I want to say in front of everyone right now, if Karen takes a life insurance policy out on me, it's not my signature, okay? We'll see. You guys all have to testify at the trial. It's a pretty easy signature to forge. It is. <laughs> You've all seen it. Okay. So, Carolyn kicks him out of the house because of the insurance problem. That, you know, that issue that you have with every boyfriend. Um, in, so, this is 1987. Lowell goes and moves in with a 76-year-old mother, Mary Tolls. A few weeks later, Mary is brought into the emergency room. There's no diagnosis. They send her home. Three days later, she dies. So Lowell calls Carolyn and is like, my mother died. So she comes over to the house, his mother's house, to go see him. Mm -hmm. And she finds him throwing all of his belongings into a car. And when she asks him what he's doing, he says, I don't want anybody to know that I moved into my mother's house. And she's like... That's what you're worried about right now? Yeah, that's, that was his main concern. Um, see, he didn't want to seem like a nerd. Um, so she lets him move back in Aww. with her. Yes. I mean... Um, so because his mother, Mary, was 76 years old, no autopsies performed on her, and the authorities presume that she died of natural causes. Therefore, Lowell inherits Mm-mm. more than a million dollars. More how, than a million. How the fuck? So, nine months later, Carolyn Amos is found dead in her bathroom. Lowell's statement to the police is that he had taken her a glass full of wine um, to the bathroom where she was blow-drying her hair Mm -hmm. next to a full bathtub of water. Why would that... Okay. I mean... Go on. We've all seen the sticker on the blow-dryer over all of our lives, I feel like. All of our lives, we've stared at that sticker. And we've looked at the sticker and said, who the fuck would blow-dry their hair in In the bathtub bathtub or near a bathtub full of water? It's stupid. Well... Uh, apparently, he's claiming that she did the one thing. That's like, that's like flushing a, a feminine hygiene product down the toilet. No one does it anymore. Yeah. We've seen the signs. 
Oh, God, Three I love- people in here are like, fuck, wait, what? You're not supposed to... I didn't know. There's a speaker in the bathroom and a girl's like, what? <laughs> she starts crying. Oh. Okay, so... So later, Lowell's statement to the police, he finds her dead in the bath, apparently electrocuted, and no cause of death is ever ever determined. And the wine glass that he claimed to have brought up to her was not in the bathroom. It was down in the dishwasher, the dishwasher having been run. So it was perfectly clean with not a trace of anything on it. Lowell received (sighs) $800,000 from her insurance policies. Holy shit. Yes. So then, in an M. Night Shyamalan-style twist... Oh, my God, oh, my God. ...even further... What? It turns out that Carolyn started out as Amos's mistress. Uh-huh. He had been cheating on his first wife, Sandra, with Carolyn. Holy shit. But in 1979, Sandra was found dead in her bathroom. Stop it. I can't. There's more papers. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so they lived in Anderson, Indiana, and a neighbor, this year, the same lady from before, quit <laughs> fucking cheering for cities. <laughs> I don't mean it. Um, so they had a neighbor when they lived in Anderson named Connie Alexander, and she told police that on the night of Sandra's death, Sandra was at her house, they were drinking beer together, chatting, and uh, Sandra went home around 11, and then a few hours later, there's a knock at the door. I'm scared. And Connie answers it. It's Sandra's little children. Oh, no. And they say, something's wrong with mommy, oh. and the ambulance is stuck in the snow. Oh. So Connie's husband runs out, helps dig the ambulance out of the snow, and, uh, and they, they take Sandra to the hospital, but she dies. What the fuck? So when Connie hears that she died or was dead, she goes over to Lowell's house um, to check in on him, and she finds him burning something in the fireplace. But she doesn't know what it is. Oh. Lowell's statement to the police at the time was that Sandra had mixed wine with a sedative, collapsed, and hit her head in the bathroom. The cause of her death was ruled indeterminate, and Amos received a $350,000 insurance payout. Jesus. And then, almost immediately, same year, he marries Carolyn. Whoa. So, on November 8th, 1996, Lowell Amos was arrested for the murder of Roberta. Okay. Um, due uh, to a 1994 change of, in Michigan law, the prosecution was allowed to enter all of these previous facts about his life and his murders. Yes, so amazing. And thank God. Yeah. Um, So they could introduce all those facts into trial. Prosecutors also argued that although Lowell lacked a financial motive for killing Roberta, as he had for his other three wives, um, his, I mean, his two wives and his mother, his fucking own mother, Mm. his marriage was about to end. Um, Roberta actually had already bought her own house and she had told family and friends that she wanted Lowell out of her life. And um, the prosecution theorized that he killed her because he could not stand that rejection. He was always the one that was making the women go away. He was always the one that was in charge of that. And the fact that somebody was leaving him and had already, you know, 
taken off. Yeah. Um, they theorized that he, he couldn't handle that. Um, they said that he, ga- he first gave her a glass of wine with two crushed sedatives in it, which is reflective of that woman's um, yeah. story that she seemed groggy. Um, and then when she passed out, he injected her vagina with the cocaine dissolved in water. Whoa. And then smothered her with a pillow when she began to convulse. On October 24th, 1996, Lowell Amos was convicted of premeditated murder and murder using a toxic substance. Um, on November 4th, 1996, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. When his uh, sentence was read, he said to the judge, who was apparently a little bit young, if you can imagine the fucking oh brass balls on this guy, he says to the judge, you're a young judge. Uh, I hope this is the first time and the last time you have to sentence an innocent man. Oh, uh-huh. what a dick. But Judge Jeffrey Collins was unmoved, is what this article said. He described Amos as a dangerous killer without a conscience. And he was quoted as saying, thank God for the safety of our community, you will be locked up for the rest of your natural days. Yeah. No charges were ever brought in the cases of Mary Tolls, Carolyn Lawrence, or Sandra Heard. Um, and if you want to see a dramatized version of the story I just told you, um, there it was the subject of a 2006 Lifetime movie called Black Widower. Whoa. That's Lola Amos, everybody. Wow. Good job. If he's talking about insurance, that's a red flag. Look out. If he keeps on handing you glasses of wine with white shit in it, that's a red flag. There's no tune to this song. I'm, I'm just, I'm working, I'm improving it. If the mortar and pestle is always in the dishwasher, <laughs> that's a red that's flag. That's a fucking red flag right there. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? If he kills his mother, that's a red flag. <laughs> This is true. This is true. Hey, it's, it's time, time for a hometown, hometown murder. All right. And in a, in a very on. special moment, I get a choose. Oh, it's so fun to see you all. So Hi. listen. I get to pick someone. This doesn't happen a lot. I want it. This better be good. Right? In a certain no, kind of way. No, sorry. Behind you. Yeah. In the, it yes. needs to be concise. Yeah. No, 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 no. Wait, her. But, <laughs> but maybe both of you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Over here. Over here. Did you this just way, pick seven way. people? This way, yeah. No, no, Holy wait. Shit. Oh, no, her. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fuck. I'm never doing this again. Sorry. I, this is why I don't do this. I'm sorry. I'm going to hug her after the show. Hi. Hi. Hi, what's your name? Hi, Crystal. Here, Hi, come over here. Krista? Crystal. Crystal. You have to take center stage. Come out here with your fabulous pants. Hi. 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 Crystal, where are you from? I'm from Detroit. Yeah. Hometown. What's up? Show us on the thing where the... the just Wait, point. Wrong hand. Wrong hands. <laughs> yep, that's where Vince right always here. points. Same right down spot. there? Right down there. Okay. Got it. Everyone knows. <laughs> You are here. You are, are here. here. Okay. 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 What's your hometown? So this is a family murder. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fucked up. She goes. I know. I know. Okay. So it's 
two murders over two years. Well, several murders. Whatever the case. Seven? <laughs> seven. Two okay. or seven? Oh, several. Okay. I thought you said seven. So it starts with one year, my cousin, on his birthday, he's like an amazing artist, whatever. He's celebrating. It's amazing. <laughs> and then my cousin, who's a, a police officer, gets a call like, oh, there's a body in the river. <gasps> and she goes, investigates. They pull the body out. It's my cousin. Oh. oh. Wait, so the, so the police officer... Is my cousin. And then had to pull the their own cousin. Is our soul, our cousin. Uh, well, sorry, and your police officer cousin is a woman? Yes. That's awesome. Okay. Yes. That's just, that's exciting. That's exciting. Yes, that is exciting. But also, this is horrible. Okay, also, go ahead. <laughs> sorry. Yes. So, they pull him out. They don't know what fucking happened. He's dead. It's awful. His roommate was with him. He's like, they're like, what happened? He's like, we were drinking. And then he's like, I want to hang out by myself. So he leaves. And then he's dead. So we're like, I don't know. This seems sketchy. Mm -hmm. Whatever the case. My uncle, his dad, is like, you know what? It's hard. I don't want to fuck with it. Just let's move on. Okay. The next year, my cousin, his brother of the dead person. Uh Uh-huh. He's going to college. He's getting his master's degree. He's in Atlanta. He comes back. He's like, this is weird. Whatever the case, he does whatever he needs to do. He gets a CCW for some random reason. What's that? What's that? A concealed weapons license. Oh, okay. So now he's Wait, this. When you say that he says this is weird, like he, his life was weird for him? No, he wanted my uncle to investigate oh. more what happened oh, got it. with his brother. Okay. But my uncle was like, I'm sad. My son's yeah, dead. Yeah, he just wants wanna, to ignore it. I just want to move on. Yeah. He's, it's over. I don't want to investigate anymore. Okay. So my cousin's like, whatever. So... Years later, I'm at this party, not years later, a year later, <laughs> I'm at a party randomly for someone I don't know. That's neither here nor there. And was it fun? It was funnish. It was a surprise party for somebody I didn't know. <laughs> so <laughs> awkward. They're like, surprise, I'm here. Surprise. I don't know. It yet. was kind of. My friend's like, oh, we're having a party, but only four people are here. Can you come? Oh, I'm no. Like, oh. It was free drinks and food. Oh, so. then yes. <laughs> so I came. Okay. So anyway. Okay. okay. So I came. It was fun. We had drinks. And I'm leaving. <laughs> and my aunt calls. And she's like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm driving to a date. She's like, well, can you pull over? And I'm mm-hmm. like, um, what do you mean? She's like, no, seriously, pull over. Mm-hmm. So I pull over. Turns out my other cousin, the brother of the person mm-hmm. who died the year before, that morning, it's a Sunday, it's three days after Thanksgiving, he goes to the neighbor's house. He's like, knocks on the door. The neighbor wife answers. She's like, what's going on? He's like, hey, turn that music down. She's like, we're not playing any music. He's like, yes, you are. So she's like, no, I'm not. She goes to get her husband. Her husband comes back. My cousin shoots the husband. Oh, no. On the front porch. Oh, my God. So then he goes back into their house and... He shoots my uncle. <gasps> the uncle who didn't want to investigate? The uncle who didn't want to oh investigate. His God. father. His father. His father kills him. Yep. So the wife obviously calls the police. My cousin goes into the basement. They're in a standoff with the police mm-hmm. for several hours. And then my cousin kills himself. Wow. Uh, like, it's fucking awful. So my, co- my aunt's telling me this on the phone while I'm on the way to a date with this dude. <laughs> date canceled. No, the date wasn't canceled. <laughs> Damn. Karen's out of here. 
I really needed a drink after that. Okay, that's fair. I'm not married. I'm divorced. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yes. Okay. It was the summer of Stevens. Not that Steven. <laughs> I, I dated an old Steven, a married Ste- a young Steven, and then the third Steven that I was going on the date with, I found out that night, was fucking married. Holy so, shit, that's a bad night. Jesus. Was it Friday the 13th? Oh my it God. It should have I mean, fuck. It was Thanksgiving. Is there an investigation into the first cousin, or is it just... We never really figured out what yeah. happened. He just... I'm so sorry. Yeah, wow. it was really sad. But, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I hope um, your family... I broke up with that Stephen. So. <laughs> <laughs> to make matters worse. <laughs> so that part was good. Oh, Crystal. I mean, that was very healthy. It was. Yeah. And we commend you for that. Yeah. <laughs> let's silver yeah. lining this shit. Yes, let's silver lining it. So. Yeah, Crystal. Everyone give I Crystal I mean, that's amazing. That is amazing. Oh, my God. I mean, right? Here, I'll steal that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you don't get to keep that. That's <laughs> not your prize for having a good hometown murder crystal. I want to apologize oh my for, the, God. for the fact that I clearly have a pointing issue. <laughs> and just, this is how I point at one person. And I apologize to the wonderful Ew. ladies I, point, I clearly pointed at too. <laughs> no, that was a great pick. You good. nailed it. Thank you. Thank you, you nailed it. Great Woo. job. Um, oh my God, Detroit. These, we just got to do two amazing shows Fucking with you guys. Awesome Thank you so shows. much. Thank you. It's ridiculous that we get to do this at all. Yeah. We have the best time. It's so fun. And it's because you guys support us so Definitely. much. Thank you. We really, really love each and every one of you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Uh, so thank thanks you guys for, for coming. coming. Thanks for waiting in that long line, potentially yeah. in the rain. It was raining for five minutes. Uh, um, thank you guys for coming again. Fucking Mitten Murderinos. You guys are awesome. You're amazing. Yeah. Thank you for the flag. Thank you. You guys, stay sexy. And don't-